This episode of Super Pulp Science is brought to you by Corey J Art. Check out my website, CoreyJ.com. That's C-O-R-I-J-A-Y-E.com. And also check out my Patreon, patreon.com slash CoreyJ. Attention, citizens. It's time for Super Pulp Science. This is Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made, and uh, in particular, how sometimes you approach a creative life. So we've brought back a one of our favorite guests, Corey J, to tell us the next chapter in her amazing story of being a full-time artist. Yes. Very Hello, sinister. everybody. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so um, why don't you, for the dear listener who doesn't know who you are or um, hasn't checked the link that we will post to the previous podcast and is just listening away, introduce yourself and give a little bit of backstory about uh, who you are and why you're here. Right on. So my name is Corey J. I am an acrylic painter and a full-time artist. And I have been full-time now for... Uh, just coming up on a year in December, which I'm super, super stoked about. Um, and yeah, I left a full-time, more corporate uh, marketing position uh, to pursue my dreams and just be my own boss and really live the life. Now, one of the things that you we talked about at length in the last podcast, but it'd be good to revisit, is you had a great strategy for people. Um, Corey J told us that if you're wanting to leave it all behind, that you should save up at least six months salary and you should spend a year practicing every day at the thing that you want to be doing instead. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So give yourself a little bit of leeway, save up enough for like six months rent um, and start doing what you plan to be doing full time while you're or part time, sorry, while you're already working full time and see how that works out for you. Um, if some things go your way and it's a good sign, then it's a good sign to move forward. Um, if nothing's working out for you when you're trying things out, you might want to uh, move into a different kind of strategy <laughs> before you leave full time to go forward with but that. But haven't movies told us that once you have the epiphany, you just leave it all behind and then run into success? Yeah. That's, I, I feel like you do need to pad yourself a little bit um, just so that even, even if you do go full-time, um, just like leave everything behind and go full-time, sometimes that uh, stress of not knowing what's going to happen next can kind of deter things from coming to you and kind of uh, hold you back. So even having that padding is good just for a peace of mind. Oh, that's interesting. So did you find that um, when you left corporate land for painter land that you had to, that there was a big switch? Like what was that, what was that reflection like a few months in where you said, okay, I'm doing this now? I feel like honestly, like it's, it's a constant uh, battle of the mind. You really have to like get your mind in the right, uh, in the right way, so to speak. So for example, like, you know, 
uh, it can be stressful for sure being out on your own like you're in charge of everything you're in charge of your entire income and if you're partway through the month and you don't see things coming together um, it's really easy to like spiral out of control with uh, anxiety being like I don't know what's gonna happen and this is coming up and I don't know what I'm gonna do and I really feel like that is what pushes away um, more projects and more income from coming to you just from like a spiritual standpoint so I feel like anytime I'm starting to like spiral out of control I have to like pull myself together and say okay like this is where we're at today like that's not actually happening right now and like all the what-ifs can really bog you down and you have to bring yourself back and say no okay like I'm gonna take a couple of deep breaths you know clear my mind relax my body and then take a step forward in a direction that I feel like will help me as opposed to just like freaking out you know because <laughs> it's really easy like especially when it's all on you just to like lose control and so I've realized that in my haste to get right down to the nitty gritty, I did not introduce our other podcast <laughs> special guest, Samantha Vico. It's fine. Who is, who is so patiently looking at me like, yes, we'll probably edit out your failures again, Greg. If only we could. Again, it's fine. Um, so just to slide back into the podcast, uh, and it's, it's great to hear you have like such good direction and you're very determined, um, but a lot of people do not come into it with that, uh, let alone any insight to look at themselves and be like, maybe I should rework things that aren't working. Um, we're there in this year that you've kind of taken to do focus on your art full time and just say, get out of here, other boss, I'm the boss now. Um, were there growing pains or were you just kind of like, yeah, I'm ready to just screw up, but upwards and oh, it's fine. Oh, for sure. There's always growing pains. And I feel like a huge part of it is moving with what's working. So um, part of the way that I earn money now is I like to teach. I'm really, really uh, into teaching. I love giving back and helping other people kind of come up. And one part of it is um, I started putting like all these different lessons that I was going to teach, like private lessons on my website. Um, and then I was doing like paint parties um, and collaborative paint sessions with people. And the collaborative uh, paint sessions started to gain momentum and no one ever signed up for my uh, private lessons on my website. They would, if they wanted private lessons, they would contact me um, through like a DM message or an Instagram message or that sort of thing or send me an email. No one ever really signed up on my website. So that was one thing that I tweaked. I took all my private lessons that I had on my website off and I focused more on, you know, images and, um, you know, information about my collaborative paint sessions because that's what people wanted. And you really have to be able to, you know, go with the flow and, and move with what's working for you and kind of rework things that aren't working as well. Mm -hmm. Like I still have an area that I talk about the private art lessons because I still teach private lessons, but it's just a lot smaller. It's on the bottom of that page. Mm -hmm. Like what I'm learning about you a little bit from this is uh, something that I think people in general who are thinking, you know, I want to make art for a living need to remember is that you're constantly recreating purposefully what it is you want to be doing and not saying, oh, that didn't work and be frustrated. You are pivoting around the things that are working and saying, okay, people like what I'm teaching. They're coming to the classes. I'm going to teach more. People uh, aren't using my website to contact me for personal teaching. I won't put it up on there. 
right? Oh, totally. So what are some other things that have changed from the beginning till now? And maybe what are some things that you are thinking about? Maybe you need to make a change as a result. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I, well, I feel like things are constantly changing, I guess, is a really good way to put it. Um, at the beginning, you know, being a full-time artist doesn't necessarily mean that you're just going to be creating art full-time. Um, really to sustain yourself, or for me to sustain myself um, as a full-time artist, I'm creating multiple streams of income. Um, and I feel like that's really, really important. You can't just depend on like just your art practice to take you all the way through. However, everything that I do has the art practice kind of intertwined in it. So I feel like from the beginning, I didn't really have like a super clear sense of how things were going to come together. I just like knew I was going to step forward and do it. And from that point, I have been constantly like, you know, pivoting and moving and going with the flow. Um, I like to believe in like following the path of least resistance is the easiest way. So anytime I'm faced at a crossroads, I always think of that like, you know, which is the easiest for me to do or which makes the most sense with the less amount of effort, like that's what I'm going to go forward and do. Do you so. find that you're compromising things as a result sometimes? Do you find butting up against like, oh, this is easier, but it's not really what I want? Is that? Not really. For me, I would feel like that would be the trap. It's because like, I won't do anything that I don't feel like is meant for me, like at all. Right. Like if I, it's either, it's more like between two things that I'm interested in. It's never between one that I'm interested in and one that I'm not. Because if I'm not interested in it, I just don't do it. So yeah, it's more like, oh, these two options are good options for me. And this one makes the most sense for me right now. So like, that's what I'm going to go with. We shall be waiting for your answer. The decision rests with you. I also noticed that you've been doing a lot of murals. I find the process of painting a mural to be like a fascinating, esoteric, like don't know how I would even approach it kind of. Um, who are these, like where are those clients coming from? Uh, that's the first question. And then how do you go from working eight by 10 or maybe like four by five to working 30 by 100? Yeah, so that's a really good question. I love doing murals. It's actually something that I want to do more and more with my art practice, especially with the community or in communities um, to help like add art into our everyday lives. Um, the clients for the murals mostly come from my social media, which is... Um, people see you doing murals and then want a mural. That's right. Yeah. And it's, it's so big. Like, social media for me is such a huge part of not only just documenting my everyday so that I can look back on, but also creating a portfolio for clients to be able to come and look at work that I've done or see something that I've done and want something for themselves. Um, so, yeah, in terms of mural design... Um, you have to think about the space, the whole space, as opposed to like just the small drawing that you're doing and think about how things are gonna fit in. Like there's a lot of little details that you need to plan into the design that wouldn't just translate to your smaller mock-up. Like for example, if the room has like a tilted wall on one side or there's a light switch that's really close to the, the wall and you're going to have to get in there to finish the painting in that area or that kind of thing. So it's really best. Like for me, I always like to visit the space first and take a lot of notes and that kind of thing. But um, in terms of translating, I always start with a smaller um, mock-up 
and I get all the images or types of images that I'd like to base the design off of and lay the main parts of the design. And then um, I've been using a grid method now to blow it up on the wall. So I just make a grid on the, uh, the smaller mock-up and then I translate that grid to the wall and then I work square by square and kind of lay it in. Just lay it in. Um, lay it are in. you able, are you designing those compositions Yes. Or does the client, like how much freedom, I guess this is where I'm, where I'm really getting down to is how much freedom do you have in a mural scenario to do your thing and how much of it is the client saying, uh, no, more dolphins? Well, I like to work really closely with the clients. Um, so it really depends on the client, honestly. But uh, a lot of the clients that I've had have been like super open, which is really, really great. Like they come to me because they like my style of art and then they work together. Like the most recent mural I did um, was for a little girl's room and it was two little girls who shared the room. One was really little and one was about four, I think, uh, ish. And um, yeah, the mother said like she wanted like butterflies and like nature. And then uh, the daughter had requested like a princess butterfly. So I just did like I asked him if I could include a castle and then kind of made this whole like, you know, castle-y, dreamy kind of scene. And I put a little crown on one of the butterflies in the corner and that was the princess butterfly. And, <laughs> yeah, it was really awesome. Like, um, really, I just get like ideas that people want and then I kind of formulate them together in my own little compositions. Now, do you give them a rough illustration first or do you? Yeah, so I do know? a lot of like mock-ups in Photoshop um, using like images or elements to kind of show where things are going to be and like how big one element of the design is to another element. Um, and I like to do like a rough coloring on Photoshop, um, more just with flat color. Like my color is all like mixed, um, yeah. mixed tones, but uh, just to show the client beforehand. And one time I showed uh, a client a mural markup and they wanted, um, I think I had a goose and instead of the goose, they wanted a dragon. So then I reworked a dragon into it. That was like dueling with a narwhal. Well, the goose is the dragon of the bird kingdom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, missed the, you missed the second part of that, dueling, dueling with a narwhal. narwhal. Yeah. So originally it was a goose dueling with the narwhal. Well, normally then... there was like the narwhal was in the sky because I wanted to make it like kind of dreamy. Normally. And then normally right right yeah. just you know and then there was like a goose on the other side of the narwhal and they wanted to replace the goose with a dragon so then i decided to make them like dueling right to create kind of more of a story there and it turned out awesome so so um long time listeners to the podcast may wonder like why you know we always talk about that this is like a genre show or that we talk about how we make stories and how we tell stories and um i always assert that a painting in and of itself, whether you throw words on it or not, the composition, a good composition tells a story. And so I think you just validated that all right there. Oh, totally. Yeah. Or like for me, a lot of my artworks, I like to like create a loose story where it, a lot is up to the uh, viewer to kind of fill in the dots. Like what is going on here or what had happened in this painting to create this mood or those types of things where it's not like an obvious like, you know, it's not an obvious story, but it's a story that's loose enough for you to fill in the, the blanks with your mind. And then be a little different every time you, especially if it's up on the wall of your home. Oh, right? totally. You want something you can bring something new to every time. That's right. Um, so murals, teaching, uh, private class, like group teaching. You said paint nights you're doing as well? Yeah, so I have... Uh, 
I do collaborative um, paint parties, I like to call them, where I go into either like someone's house or I like to do them for team building for businesses where everybody collaborates together on uh, one canvas. Yeah, it's amazing to watch a group of people work together. Yeah, we, we've done that. Before. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. We used to do that all the time in Arlington and that kind of at, at the studio that we were both yeah. at. Yeah, full disclosure to the dear listener. Um, Corey J and I know each other because we used to be in the same art studio space in Winnipeg on Arlington. Do they still call it Artlington? I think it's still, it's still Arlington. a clever name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, great, a great old space that just had so much character and so many characters in it. And uh, it was nice. I, I ended up uh, leaving there because it just felt like there wasn't a lot of people uh, who wanted to take it super seriously. Like there was a lot of people who were just sort of um, like they had a studio and that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really wanted either a community that was really there to grind. And one of the things I always appreciated about Corey J is whenever I would come late, you would be there late just working away. Yeah, because at Two, that three, time I paintings. was working a full-time job yeah. and like I had the studio and so I, you know, I'm paying for the studio and I really want to go forward with this in my life. So I really need to commit. So I'd be go work a full day. I'd start at 7 a.m. and work till 3.30 at my other job. Then I'd go grab something to eat and then I'd go to the studio and I'd be there like all night and I'd do that as many nights as possible, like minimum three times a week um, so that I could work towards this future that I had in my head, right? right? Um, and I, and what's kind of important about having these discussions where you're like, yeah, you know, I've now shirked my full-time job and I am heading into that frontier that you've built. Um, when you were Gregory talking earlier about, oh, but in movies, they make it sound so easy. Um, and I wanted to jump in and say, that's a lie, but I hadn't even been introduced yet. So I didn't (laughs) exist on the podcast yet. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's this very sudden Samantha on the podcast. It's this preconceived notion that you can with anything, be it art, be it writing, be it, um, being some kind of actor celebrities, you can just jump in and you're like, yeah, I'm here. I'm I've arrived. Um, what you've just is just this like this grind and this commitment and this sacrifice which you have to continue to make in order to keep making it um, and you and I were talking about this earlier Corey but there are some people that just again like Gregory said they just aren't there to work they're just like yeah this is fun um, when when success now now how yeah. how it happened well, um, and it sounds yeah I, you know it sounds like I'm being a bit of a jerk but it's not that anybody there was like they were artists they were working on art occasionally but they were not dedicated to i guess here's my here's the division i see there's this illusion that talent is enough everyone there working that had their own space that was doing something they had a talent and they were wondering why talent wasn't enough they would lament like hey i made these great paintings but like you said Mm -hmm. success now yeah right yeah yeah um there's not so realizing that the next there were so many next steps that you meant that the studio space wasn't a party space when you were done the painting the studio space was a workspace for all the stuff that comes next and so uh one of the reasons why i was glad to make the jump to this studio is just because i was right in that space where i you know my lease was up and i was looking for a new spot and i it was just you know Justin just sets a pace that is hard to keep up with, which is exactly (laughs) what I need. Yeah, Yeah. but that competitiveness actually has led to you guys finishing so many things. So many things, yeah. It's a little, (laughs) it's a healthy competition. Yeah, it's. 
pretty great. Being instinctive rivals, there is no doubt that they will attempt to destroy one another. You're working from a home studio now, yep. right? You brought it all. You brought it in close. Yep. Keep all the costs down. Brought it in close. Right? Brought yep. it in close. Um, yeah. Do you ever just find yourself trapped? For me, like the motivation is that like I'm in it to win it, and I left my full time. Um, cushy lifestyle to pursue my dreams and so any time that I'm at home that I'm you know not on track I really quickly pull myself back because I don't have time to mess around like there's only so much time we have in a day and I'm chasing the dream every day so there really isn't that many lulls for me like there is some times where I feel like you know, part of the reason also that I wanted to go on my own is because I wanted to be able to like listen to my body more. So if I'm like really not feeling good one day, um, or like for me as a woman, it's that time of month and I'm have terrible cramps and I can't even move. I don't want to be forced to be interacting with people and be, you know, have to go to meetings and stuff, which is very much uh, the culture in, I feel like the corporate world you're able to pick your productive time according to how you feel yeah. rather than what the clock says exactly yeah. and one thing that's really important for me with painting is like I'm never going to be painting if I'm in a bad mood or not feeling good because I feel like I'm creating a product for someone that has my energy attached to it and it's going to be in their home and I really want it to feel a certain way like that's very important to me as opposed to just looking great I want it to like feel like a great piece so for me like being able to pick those times is really, really important to my business and to my craft. And I've really had to work on allowing myself to take that downtime when I need it. And I think that that's, um, can be really hard for, um, people that are on their own, like trying to pull it together, like with their own grind. Yeah. Cause there's no sick days for us. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like there's no days or off really. Right. You can take so, days. You can take all the days off you want. Exactly. But it's not going to get you anywhere. It so. get you anywhere. <laughs> but it will, if you need that time, because yeah. like forcing yourself to work when you're not in it is like the worst thing ever I find. So see, and I feel a little bit different about it. Uh, when I'm completely not in the mood to work, I have to work anyway. Right. Cause you, I have a deadline. I have publishers to appease. I have things to do. And so what I try to do is I, I try to convince the publisher that I will turn in work out of order. So if a project is 22 pages, I'm not going to start on page one and finish on page 22. Or if it's 100 pages, I don't want to start on page one and finish on page 100. I want to be able to move around in the work according Mm -hmm. to my mood. Like Mm -hmm. if it's a particularly hectic day or if it's really busy or I'm really stressed out, I'll dig down into, I mean, my work is a little bit different than yours, but there's usually some element of action, suspense or violence somewhere in the course of the story. So if I've got all kinds of feelings I don't like, I put the, I pack them into the places where, you know, because the violence is imagined, right? Like I don't really want anything violent to happen to anyone ever, but it's a nice story device sometimes. Yeah. I feel like that's a really a good example though of what I'm talking about. Like you're moving with how you're feeling with your projects. Like for me, it's only with painting that I'm allowed to really like take that time off. Like if I have a mural to paint, like that client expects me to be there every day. Like I'm still have to be there every day. So it's not all the time, but when you can, you know, if I'm painting at home or, you know, working on my own projects or Patreon painting, I can take some time off and, you know, 
kind of move with the flow. But it's really the same as thing as you're describing. It's just like you're doing it in a different way. Instead of stopping working and starting working, you're just changing what you're working on to kind of suit your mood. And I think I feel like that's so important. Um, so your paintings, when we talk color palette, let's just talk colors for a minute. <laughs> blah. Yeah, blah. <laughs> what is going on? For the dear listener who's trying to imagine, you need to think about... Um, the brightest, most cheerful, but I don't want to say like intense. unexpected, intense colors that you use in your compositions. Do you, is there a like artistic statement that goes along with that? Is there a yeah like framework that you can explain to for me? For me, for my artwork, it's all about color. So I think about everything in color, um, elements that I am placing revolve around the colors that they will be. And I really like to use like color theory to make as much of the painting as vibrant as possible. Yeah, because the color theory is unexpected. Like a person might be like bright pink or a, you know. Yeah, and like also. Turquoise blue or some. That can go with what it's about. Like, right. so sometimes with portraits, if I'm painting a portrait about love, I like to use like purpley, pinky tones and kind of warmer colors that will really make you like feel the essence of the piece, so. Yeah, I like to paint with as much vibrancy as possible. When did that happen? How did that come about? Um, it just it just started happening. So in 2011, I started painting um, in my spare time a lot more. So I've always been an artist, like always. But I always would try different mediums. I used to do a lot of color pencil um, when I was younger and in high school and oil pastel and that kind of thing. And I started painting in my spare time more frequently starting in 2011. And my paintings just started turning out like super vibrant from the get-go. And then I just have kind of like developed uh, my style ever since then. And I can't really explain how it's just like what it's just part of my but expression. it's what's working so you yep keep gotta go with it, it. just, yeah. keep, blowing with just it. keep tweaking it so you mentioned uh briefly you mentioned your patreon paintings yeah so you've already mentioned how social media is such a big tool for you um and i'm awful at patreon you're clearly better at it do you want to tell maybe for the listener explain what patreon is uh and then maybe what it is to you because i've found that people we've asked those are very different questions yeah, so my Patreon is set up like a card and print subscription service. Um, I also do digital desktops. I have an option for that too, where basically people will subscribe to my Patreon um, and then they'll get rewards for uh, supporting me monthly. So if someone pledges $2 per month, they'll get like behind the scenes um, views of what I'm working on and I'll post it before I post on my social media. But if they... Um, subscribe for $10 a month, then I, or there's like a $10 tier, tier that's um, a card that I would send them in the mail, an art card. So every month I create a new painting for my Patreon subscribers that I turn into prints and cards, and then I mail out to them depending on the tiers that they're subscribed for. So there's a, a $10 uh, card one, there's a print, a full-size print a tier, and then there's a print and card tier. So uh, there's also a digital desktop and background photo um, for your cell phone and your personal computer tier um, for $10 as well. So basically, people pledge to you, and then you send them rewards um, for so helping support. So in retrospect, support. when you're talking about a Patreon tier and how you've set up your rewards, it always sounds like the perfect answer, like, oh, that's so obvious. But how did you come upon this as the way you would use it? Because people use 
uh, online, you know, crowdfunded services like this in a myriad of ways. How did this become the way that you? Um, basically, I, I really love paper. I know that sounds like weird too, but I always love making cards and like paper goods. So you're talking to book people here. You're, yeah. You're okay. In a good I just place. like love paper yeah. and that kind of aesthetic. And so, um, making prints of my work too. Like I just love the whole process and this is a way for me to, um, do something that I love the whole thing. So I first create a painting, then I scan the painting in sections into Photoshop and stitch it together. Then I make prints of my work. Then I find a quote um, for a card and make the image into a card with a quote on the back that I feel like leaves a bit to the imagination. And then I love packaging up my orders to send out. Like I literally love every single process of um, my Patreon. So whoever's out there, if you want to check out my Patreon. And so you're adding words to pictures at a certain point. So it turns out you make comics after all. I mean, a little bit. Just a, yeah. It's just really just one quote per card. That's all it takes. Just a little That's bit. That's your credit yeah. right there. Yeah. yeah. That's it. You're a comic maker on a technicality now. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, a lot of people, what a lot of artists um, struggle with, I think, with Patreon is you're just like, oh, well, I am getting, people are becoming my patrons, but I have to take time away from doing my main Thing in order to fulfill the, like their investments. Bosses. Yes, so you have like almost like these mini clients and a lot of people are like, oh, well, I have to make more content that's separate from the content that's pulling in my main income. But I mean, you've turned it into... Oh, totally. Like, I mean, for something me... Something you actually enjoy. First yeah, of all. <laughs> I think that's like super key. Like for me, like it keeps me making an unrelated painting to my other, whatever else I have on the go. So whatever other, you know, I do a lot of commissions and whatever, so separate from that something that is a new painting every single month that's separate from my regular grind of that month it keeps me producing new art pieces and I kind of use it as like a way to explore new ideas that don't fit into projects that I'm doing um, then so like this year is coming up on my first year with Patreon um, in December again that's like 12 paintings that I created this year that are separate from all the other projects that I've been doing. Um, so for me, it's a really great way to produce more work and do things that I love. Um, so yeah, I really hope to grow my Patreon. For a few dollars, you can, you can hire a woman who'll fit all your fetishes to match your requirements perfectly. So I'm observing here a couple of things that I feel like that we should discuss or I want to discuss. Maybe I'll put it that way, I want to discuss. So there is a cliched idea of what an artist is, right? People will often talk about how, you know, like if you're going to, you have your tam tilted and you have your cigarette burning and you're, you're painting <laughs> your, your nudes, you're, your, your palette in your hands. <laughs> you're swearing. But often people are talking about their feelings and they're talking about the emotion of the piece and they're talking about all of these things. So on one part of the spectrum, you actually, Corey J, fit completely into that artist cliche like everything that people think an artist should be in a good way right like just free to express their feelings and free to do what they want you have all of that but you have the thing that people don't associate with artists that i believe is associated with artists success you have all this discipline you have a regular schedule you are beholden to the people that you have made promises to and these are all the things that are never lumped into like when you're talking about a lifestyle as an artist right but here you have all you have that whole complete picture. and a look to the future and a look to the future Constantly. like um it's almost as if 
it's a business. Yeah. Right? You're looking at it right? through a lens of commerce and growth. Yeah. Rather than just, I didn't feel the muse today. Yeah. And so I said no. And I drank a lot of coffee, yeah. but did nothing with that. I like yeah. how you kept it PG there on the coffee. I was going to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we're away. staying out of that artist cliche yeah. also. Um, so I guess what I'm, where, like, why I, where the diatribe comes from is when you were telling other people in the regular world, in job land, hey, I'm going to go be an artist. Did you get any sense from them that they didn't know that other side of you, the discipline side, the, the I'm going to do, I'm going to work around the clock if I have to, to get it done. And they maybe were like, oh, doesn't, isn't that irresponsible? Isn't that the wrong, isn't that wrongheaded to just leave all of this stability behind? Oh, for sure. Like I'd have people come up to me and they'd be like, aren't you scared? Like to not have like a weekly paycheck? Like, aren't you scared? But I feel like, like to me, if you're, wherever you are in your life, if you feel like you are on the right path and that you are pursuing like what's in your heart, what you feel like you're meant to do with your life, if you're on that path, then you just have to keep stepping forward, you know, until you're at a place where you feel comfortable and that might never happen. Like right. you just have to keep stepping forward and I feel like things will fill in for you. So there is like definitely a huge aspect of like taking a leap of faith. But if you, like I said, you're on the right path and you feel really good about everything and you're getting like really jazzed and excited every time you start a new project or that you wake up every day and that you're like feeling good at it, things will just fill in for you. Like even, you know, like some, there's been some months where you get close to end of the month and you're like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to make these payments, you know, because everybody has yeah. monthly payments and stuff. And again, like I just bring myself back to like, am I where I meant to be? Like, I feel like I meant where I meant to be. So like things are just going to happen and they always fill in. Like someone will message me out of the blue asking for a commission or whatever, you know, they just always fill in. And so. what's interesting about what you're describing is that's the, that's the worries that management have in most companies. So like the person who's working the weekly paycheck that never has to chase leads or worry about where the money comes in just does their thing. But anyone who is middle or upper management in any field, you know, from fashion to industrial mechanics, right? They're doing what you're talking about doing. They're wondering about whether or not there's enough billings to cover everybody's salary and every other thing that goes along with it. Yeah. I mean, I was a marketing manager for a pretty large company. I had a staff of 25 people, you know, that, that worked under me and I was doing the same thing yeah. just for the company. Just for the company. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like for me, the whole mentality switched at all. Right. You know, like, um, at the time my boss was like, uh, you know, when I handed my resignation, I was like worried that she was going to be really upset at me because we had a good relationship. And she was like, no, I'm like not surprised at all. And I can't believe you stayed this long kind of thing. Like, you know, it just so it felt it felt right from all senses, you know. Right. Um, has there been anybody in your life that you would say um, was a mentor to you that like you looked up to like you saw this as a possible path because you saw someone else do that or did you just go for it 
Um, well, I like to take inspiration from anywhere I can. So um, I feel like for sure, like you and Justin were a huge part of that. I was not like, fishing for a compliment there. No, no, no but no, no. it's true. So like was. Yeah. he was right? pointing to himself. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have See to give it? credit where credit's due, right? Like I was, there was one time where I said to you guys, like, yeah, I'm thinking of going like full time and you guys gave me like high fives and like, really there aren't a lot of other people in my life that were very supportive of that decision. So oh, it was we really, for you. it was really yeah. nice. It was like a nice safe space where like people understood, you know, I don't I feel like there, there was many other people so in my Justin life. Justin is that sitting like, over here one day, right? And he comes in and he sits down and often we'll like, you know, talk about like something we saw that was inspiring or like a thing or whatever. Like we just kind of like get the day going and he puts his hands two hands on the desk like doesn't he leans in close and i'm like oh my god he's like have you seen Corey j's website <laughs> and i was like no he's like come and look at this right now oh. and we were just totally blown away by how you know like we encourage lots of people to try stuff but then we realized like no amount of our encouragement was really necessary like you had all this you had everything you needed to do the thing yeah, that's so nice. I like I try really hard <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Right. It's but also like, high praise because Justin hates websites. He does. And this <laughs> yeah. is the other like, this is a segue. Cannot, I'm glad you I went there. I literally cannot yeah. get him to work on his website, so I have to do it for him. And yeah. he just he's angry every time I bring it. <laughs> yeah, right. well for me it's like 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 my Instagram, it's such a perfect documentation for me. You know, like anytime that I'm feeling like I'm falling off track or I'm like, why am I doing this? Like I don't feel like things are working out or we all have those moments. It's like a perfect place to go to see like everything I've accomplished this year and like all the shows I've done. Like I have a, a event section or all the classes I've teach it or all the people I've touched this year, you know? Or like you know, my portfolio section, I put up like every painting that I'm proud of that I did, I'll put up on my portfolio section and it's all very close to chronological order. And so I can just go and scroll through and see like my progression of how far I've come. So as much it is, as it is for other people to land on and to go into, you know, look for information about me or projects they'd like to do in the future, it's also so good for me. So um, like I was telling you guys last time, like I like to update it like as much as possible, um, with as much like images and good information as I can. I do new events. I like to update it. Or if I do like a really successful paint party or, um, paint night with people and the pictures are great, I like to update those. You'll marvel at the superior intelligence that unleashes its deadly ray. What I also see here is, um... The ability to see things for what they can be used for in a positive way. Like a lot of people will hear, oh, social media, and they're like done with it these days. You know, it's like it's just places with trolls and angry folks, right? Where you're like, oh, it's a, you know, it's a journal of all of these great things that are happening in my life. And other people are like, oh, website is just this thing I constantly have to update. And you're like, I can give my clients fresh information and <laughs> yeah. new images. Like, um, so I see the, that that. Uh, one of the things that you're armed with, I think, is a, a way to, you know, and that's it's in your paintings, actually, if I'm stretch the metaphor, right? It's everyday things, right, presented with colors and um, situations that make them seem magical. That's right. Yeah. I mean, there's two ways to look at things. Like, this is like totally a quote. 
I think it's maybe Rumi, I'm not sure, but basically you can look at things as if nothing's a miracle or you can look at things as if everything's a miracle. Right. And I really choose to look at things as though everything's a, a miracle because you're always going to be looking for more in life. You're always going to be like searching for better. Like that's just in us as humans. And so if you can't like enjoy things in the moment and try and like make the best of things, you're just going to be miserable all the time. Like you're just constantly going to be miserable. Like if you're never happy with anything. Right. So yeah, the guy who, um, full disclosure, we started recording this podcast a little bit late today because I had a flat tire, but the guy who came to uh, help me out and tow the car to our shop, he, was having the greatest day <laughs> like he came he just leapt out of the he was like oh sorry i was just having a bite of my lunch early you know sometimes you're just really looking forward to your lunch right so he's chewing his you know he's chewing his sandwich he jumps out of the tow truck he looks at it he goes oh this is nothing let me get my air hose and he runs he's whistling and he flips the air hose off of the thing and he runs over and he puts the air in and then it starts whistling like that because there's like a huge rip in the tire starts whistling and he literally leans in close and tries to match the whistle noise with a whistle (laughs) of his own and i'm watching this guy and i'm thinking like right there are people who would be like oh my god i have to tow people's shitty poorly cared for cars all day all the time and i just you know you asked me like how are you? Like, is everything okay when I came in? And all I could think about was that guy who was just so <laughs> whistling great, at the whistling tire. away, who <laughs> gave me a lift here. Right? See, I look at people like that, and I'm like, that person is placed appropriately in their life. Right. Right? Like, that person is where they are meant to be. They're yeah, right. super happy. They're doing what they should be doing. The people that are like, oh, I don't want to update my website, or maybe not all the time, but right. th- they maybe shouldn't be do- updating their website. Maybe they should have someone to help them update their website, because yeah. that's not bringing out the best, and that's not where they should be, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Not according to their gifts. Yeah. Right? And yeah. I also feel like you are super you're always pretty much happy. Like you're always in a good mood and you like to look at things positive too. Like I try to, yeah. Yeah. I some people to. could come in here after a flat tire being super late and be like, Oh my God, my day's like totally ruined. And yeah. It's no, like, it's just a thing that happened. Yeah. It's just yeah. a thing that happened and yeah. just part of your day and like whatever. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of things that can happen in a day. Right. Oh, yeah. And how, whether they're good or bad though, those, those, two scenarios are both imaginary at this point whatever i can imagine going for the rest of the day be it good or bad right so i'd rather imagine the good things exactly and that's all about it too like instead of letting yourself like go on the what if trail and freaking out like none of that's really real like you just made all that up so bring yourself back to the moment yeah like here you are now but sam makes fun of me too because i'm constantly reminding us all of our mortality that's another thing i think that actually keeps me very positive (laughs) is like knowing that you know, you're going to die. Hey, I, I constantly am embracing my mortality and right. just like loving on death. But I mean, <laughs> I would like to live. Yeah, well, moment. you should live. Yeah, I'd like to enjoy The it. reason you should live is because you're going to die. Yeah. Right? And so, and because we don't know wh- what's on the other side, if anything, maybe just more Mars rovers. Maybe right. that's all that's on the other side. This has been an episode of sepulcher pulp <laughs> science. Right? <laughs> Uh, then you should just, you know, have a good time. And some crappy things are happening all over the world. And I also feel kind of a sense of responsibility more than ever to make the art that I have the capacity to make. Like, almost like if I, if I waste this opportunity, how dare I? Oh, totally. Like, there are literally, you know, you can't look at world news right now without feeling some sense of shame or responsibility for all of this 
abundance that we have here in Canada. Totally. Right? I think about that all the time and like the freedom in Canada, like the yeah. fact that I can just like wake up every day. Like I had the choice, like some people don't even have the choice. Like I could make the choice to live the life that I want to live. Like I can wake up every day. I can yeah. go get a latte. I can stay in bed. Like I can do whatever, yeah. you know, because we live here and like, we're so privileged. So, yeah. So how dare we not make art is sometimes how I feel like it. Like, because we can, we really totally. get to stand on this plateau, this built up stadium of all these th advantages that we got born into just by geography. And if you didn't use them, it's kind of like, what a waste, right? That's how I feel about it anyway. Agreed. Yeah. Huzzah! Sorry about that. We got we went wildly uh, to Canada. Well, yeah. So anyone listening from abroad, Canada's pretty great, and you should come here. Um, do you have a thought on some future? So we've been talking all positive about. We're just thinking about positive stuff. Are there some pitfalls you see on the horizon? that you're thinking about how to prepare for now. You know, for all your positive thinking, I know from previous conversations that you also plan ahead, right? You plan for the worst so that you can relax into the best. What are some things that you're looking at? Um, like some projects that I have going yeah, forward? Yeah, or like some, you know, is there a pitfall? Is there, like in freelance, we're in the long dark tea time of the soul right now, like, um, November, December is like when there is no work for freelancers, like almost universally, mm -hmm. right? Or the work that's been booked gets pushed into 2019 that's because right. no one wants to do it at the end of the year yet. Right. So, but it's a little different for you. What is... Uh... Yeah. So, um, without saying too much, no. um, I'm looking with working with a non-for-profit um, for the first couple of months of the year. Um, so hopefully that pans out. Um, and then no, I have to dig like on a rebrand on a project on, on a, like a project. Yeah. Yeah. On like a community based project. Oh, cool. Um, I'm also going to be doing, um, some illustrating for a publishing company. Um, again, can't say too much about it, but, um, I'll be illustrating a book cover, um, or painting a book cover basically, um, which I'm so excited about. Um, the book is going to be a poetry uh, compilation from a famous Canadian poet. Um, so yeah, really stoked about that. Currently Googling famous Canadian poets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's basically all I can say about that right now. So I definitely have some projects on the go that I'm like really excited about. And um, yeah. So I make lists every now and then in my so if you go through, like I have a stack of sketchbooks over there, notebooks, whatever. Every couple of months, I'll make a list. Because I go through a sketchbook every three, four weeks kind of thing. Um, I'll make a list of things I want to do. And they'll be really high-minded, you know, like write a science fiction franchise for TV. And really low-minded, like get this line of dialogue finished, right? But I will sp make a list of lofty ideals. And sometimes... Just having that list has opened up some opportunities because things will come up that I would normally be like, oh, yeah, that would be nice. But instead, I say, no, I actually put that on my list. Like, yeah. you know, have lunch with a TV producer. Well, That's I guess this is my moment. Brett. I don't know. That's the law of attraction. You're manifesting the list. Um, <laughs> I reject your magical thinking. <laughs> I accept that preparation and um, and... 
like it is a combination of attitude, right? But I don't think like not from a vibrational level. I don't think it's like that. I think that we have, um, and what's cool about it is if you believe in the law of attraction, uh, your belief doesn't require me to believe in it. So everybody's happy. That's right. Right. Um, That's right. I'm but, not into preaching to anyone. Yeah. Right. I just express how I view things. Right. But I think that if you set expectations for yourself that are beyond you, right? Just, I mean, and this is from teaching, right? You want to set expectations for your students that are beyond them, not so that they'll fail, but so that they'll reach, right? And so when I make these lists for myself, some of them are still like on the impossible spectrum, like completely they feel, but every year that I do it, it seems less and less impossible to reach some of those things higher up on the list. Um, I do that too. Yeah. So what's on your list? Yeah. So a lot of things that I put on my list, um, surround like mural design. Like I really want to be doing more murals for the community, um, and more outside. Cause I've been doing a lot of like indoor mural murals. So I'd like to be, um, kind of sprucing up the neighborhood, uh, whatever neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> like, you saw the you project know? that Cal did, uh, Cal Bartesky, where they went up to Churchill and yeah. repainted, oh, that was like, amazing. reclaimed all those spaces with art. Yeah. Was, yeah. Totally beautiful project. So things like that I'm super into. So a lot of it has to do with that. Um, there's definitely a lot about teaching cause I believe like one of the things that, you know, uh, makes my life complete is like, my act of service with my gift, which would be teaching. So helping other people um, learn the skill, even just to like have a comfortable afternoon by themselves painting. Like they don't, I don't have to be making people, you know, right. just to enjoy um, painting. Um, so that's another big one. I have some classes in the works with um, some different organizations uh, in Winnipeg here that I'm excited about. Um, and yeah, just, Keeping, keeping going. <laughs> keeping, keeping going. Keeping going. It's indestructible. It's indescribable. Nothing can stop it. Now you, Sam, um, also manage or balance um, creative expression. You're writing novels and making comics and doing all this kind of stuff. And then business stuff for other people that is related to publishing. And then interfacing with other publishers. And it's kind of what, Corey J., you were saying about this multiple streams of income. Could either of you share for our listeners like some hot tips on, because I think to a, a person who is just starting out or has a regular job, even the notion, <clears throat> excuse me, of a multiple stream of income seems like, where do you start? What, what qualifies? Like, you know, someone lent me 10 bucks. Does that count? Is that another stream <laughs> of income? Right? Like where, what are some hot tips that you can both do? Because you both manage a lot, like you spin a lot of plates, both of you. Mm -hmm. How do you do it? Um, I would just say keep an open mind um, and say yes to things in the beginning that will improve your skill set, but also just, oh, I wouldn't say necessarily improving your skill set should be your priority, but also just developing those coping mechanisms for so that you can learn how to spin all those plates, but also having this point on the horizon where you can say to yourself, I'm not going to be doing this forever because I do have like all those goals and those lists that the two of you spoke about those are very important those are your guiding stars that keep your your ship going straight um and so saying to yourself you know yeah i'm going to have these multiple streams of income but i want to work towards being in a place like Corey j um where they all feed back into the things you like to do so for me i have been doing multiple stream of income with all of these clients with all of these different arenas um as a build towards 
doing things that I'm that are following my passion. So I'd like to my, for my income to be leading more in, or coming more from selling my books, um, doing more publishing projects, working on my own IP rather than working on everyone else's. Right. But having to work on everyone else's has fed into my work ethic, my discipline to getting me there. And I've been doing it for eight years from a part-time and now into a full-time spectrum. And there are things that I'm doing now that I don't want to be doing in maybe a year, maybe five years. Um, but also I, I try to not be so hard on myself. And that's very, that's a very difficult thing to say as an artist, especially when you have to be self-directed and you have to be right. managing all of these moving parts. Um, and also just this kind of generational thing where you're always like, I'm not doing enough. I need to be doing more, which can lead you to burnout, which can lead you to do nothing. And so you always have to, you have to cultivate that insight. Some people have more of an aptitude for looking at themselves, um, uh, you know, under a lens that's not just like, I'm going to give myself a free pass or, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of ranting. But yeah, you just have to kind of look, just, just look inward a little bit and just keep asking yourself, is this what you want to do? What is it that you want to do? Um, if I failed, how can I turn that into an opportunity? If I'm overworked, how can I turn that into something that helps me in the long run? That takes time and that takes a lot of sacrifices and mistakes. So when you say, I'm just going to, I'm going to focus this back. So you have, you let yourself be open to all this kind of stuff. And then when you looked, when you look down at the hard numbers and say, which of these streams mm -hmm. are actually income that I yeah. like getting or that I can get with sort of like what Corey J was saying, more ease, mm -hmm. you double down on that? Or how do you, how do you create that client list? Like, I think that's what seems very mysterious to a lot of people is like, how do you, you know, you can get a job from anyone one time, but how do you get those kinds of jobs over and over again? Any tips, pro tips? Um, well, definitely. Like, I think in terms of setting up multiple streams of income, you can't think of your art practice or your your business as putting all your eggs in one basket like you it, it doesn't make sense it wouldn't be smart to put all your eggs in one basket so it wouldn't be smart for me to like set up a patreon and then think okay that patreon's gonna like do everything for me right because that's just not the reality especially when you're just starting out you know so um it's really important to think about things that you like doing that you can stand doing that you're comfortable doing that you feel like alive doing and then set up a whole bunch of different ones that you can maintain at the same time so like you know setting up a patreon like for me i have that and then i also have like a society six um page and then i also have uh, my website and then I also am teaching and then you know I also do lots of commissions and then I also have my art practice where I have shows and I do events with that and so it's really about um, finding a whole bunch of different ways that you can make money and then kind of juggling them all in a way that feels comfortable and kind of natural to you and then you know eventually I feel like as I gain popularity, hopefully, in the art community. Um, I can grow my Patreon so that maybe that will be a sustainable source of income for my art practice, and maybe I do less of the other things. Right. Um, but, you know, you can't really tell what's going to take off and what's going to take, what's not going to take off. So you kind of just have to 
um, try a bunch of different things and go with what's working. And, and I'm increasingly reminded that the world we live in now did not exist. When I was a kid thinking like, oh, maybe I want to be a writer or maybe be an artist, all of the things I use today, every day, were not yet invented yet. Yeah. In order to create those multiple streams of income. And if maybe there's people out there wondering what it will be, right? Maybe it hasn't been invented yet. Maybe your skill set is the thing you should be working on, as Sam pointed out, right? Find jobs that help you build those skills so that when that when the world makes the thing that will help you do it, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I think like if you can put a couple of those things together and make your like 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 make life easier for yourself, um, that's what you should do. Like for example, for my Patreon, I make a painting and then I create prints and cards out of that, and then I'll take extra prints and cards from the painting I just created, and I'll put it in my stash, and then when I go do a market, I have all these all right, new. Yeah prints and cards that are already ready for me that I've already worked on that I've already printed that are new and fresh that and, are new yeah. and fresh to take to the market so that's a way of kind of you know which then feeds back on itself oh where do I get more of these oh hey I'm on paid you want one every month exactly this, yeah. exactly so um yeah if you can make a couple of them work together like that's great or sometimes when I'm at the market people will ask me if I teach and then I promote my classes and then those two are kind of feeding off each other that way so whatever whichever ones that you can make work together is really really helpful because it's less work for you and, right you know I think also about one last thing about like creating multiple streams of income is the more that you can get that might sustain themselves by themselves one day, the better. So like, that's why I like society six. That works while you're sleeping. Yeah. It works while you're sleeping yeah. and you know, mine's fairly new. Like I had joined in 2011. So in mine, it says I started in 2011, but I had started a long time ago. I took it down cause I was just doing digital work at that point. Um, and I wasn't that into it. And then I restarted it just a couple months ago. And so I'm building it back up, but hopefully one day that'll be another thing that's just kind of like uh, works in the background so that I can, you know, raise a family and do all that. For a year now, I have been doing the talking. It's worked out pretty good. I uh, had a friend who used to, she would organize her bills. She was uh, sort of like the sole breadwinner in the family just because of a few situations. And she had, um, I, I never forgot it. She would had a list which said repulsive essentials. And it was all of the bills that were essential, right? Like they were repulsive, but they were essential, right? That she didn't like. Like these are the things that I, don't, I wish I didn't have to pay for, but I have to pay for. And then um, she would just mark them off. Like she made that her like go-to thing. Every day, which repulsive essential can I get rid of so it kind of frees up my day, right? Frees up my day. So I sort of rolled that over into my thoughts about living a creative lifestyle to say like we have these repulsive essentials right then we have these essentials right and i try to balance what i think to be essential right like being a good dad or being a good husband or being a good friend with those repulsive sides like you know sometimes you have to labor sometimes you don't get to see people sometimes you you know so when i hear you talking about those streams for me the income streams come um, connected to the repulsives and to the essentials. Like some of my essentials I make money off of and some of the repulsives I also make money off of. Like mm -hmm. those labors that I don't like do pay bills. And yeah. some of the labors that I love that I feel like I was here for also pay the bills. And yeah. just 
trying to balance in a day. If I have a week where it's just repulsive things all week, I'll put the brakes on and kind of take a vacation and work on something in the wrong order again. Like that's sort of my modus yeah. operandi is just switch something so that the whole week isn't mired down. Yeah, like sometimes you're not going to love everything, but you have to do it. Like, yeah, just, yeah. for example, for me, like markets right now, um, like I was just talking to Sam about this, like I don't like love doing markets. Like I love being at the market and talking and interacting with people. Like I love that. But the actual like reality of doing markets, it's like a huge schlep. It's like so much work. It's like physical uh, labor to oh, get all yeah, your stuff there us, and life. to yeah. set it up and then to get all your stuff down and it's like heavy and there's lifting and there's boxes and there's like you have to find people to help you load your car and like there's all these extra you know factors that I like I don't like doing but at the end of the day like it's so necessary to you know reach a new demographic and like get your stuff out there and that kind of thing so just have to look at the positive part of it that's and, right try to whistle to match the tear in the, in the tire, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, hope one day that you could <laughs> yeah. do less of the stuff that you don't like doing like that. Yeah. Um, well, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you for coming on to the show. Um, this has been Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made, and in particular, how you could remake your whole life. Join the fight and make comics. Mm -hmm.